What's up, what's up, what's up, basketball family? Welcome to another episode of L.A. Courtside, a podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, and I am your host, L.A. Ray, here to talk about, uh, obviously, the Clippers' big win over the Utah Jazz last night, 119-111, to where the Clippers went into Utah without their best player, uh, Kawhi Leonard, of course, and uh, went in there and beat Utah where a lot of people, a lot of pundits, a lot of naysayers did not think they had a chance to go in there and do that. And I will admit, I was one of those people who didn't think they was going to win that game. But hey, what the hell do I know? I'm just a guy that's trying to do a podcast. But the Clippers went in there and they got the job done. And also today I'm going to uh, go around the NBA and, and briefly talk about the other playoff series that is going on. I wanted to play that real clip. Uh, uh, DMX was the little music clip that you heard. And I tell you what, I'm sure that the folks in L.A., Clipper Nation, the Clipperholics, were partying last night, you know, to, to music such as DMX. You know, I like that old skewed music. You know, y'all go make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. Y'all go make me act a fool up in here, up in here. And I know the Clipper Hallett fans were acting a fool last night when they team just went in there and uh, beat Utah in that building with 19,000 rabid Utah fans. So I will get into that game. I will analyze that game in a moment. But first, let's have a word from our sponsor, DraftKings.com. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, such as the L.A. Clippers, the Utah Jazz, Milwaukee Bucks, or whomever you like. Bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, all right, all right, basketball family. Welcome back to L.A. Courtside. Again, that was a message from our sponsor, DraftKings.com. And by the way... If any of you saw the money line last night on that game, the Clippers were anywhere from a plus 285 to a plus 300 money line, meaning you just bet $100 on the Clippers 
and you win whatever that plus figure is. So if you bet $100 and it was plus 300, you won 300 bucks. If you bet $200, you won 600 bucks. I don't know how many people uh, thought that the Clippers were going to win that game. They were a lot of naysayers, a lot of pundits, a lot of folks out there who did not think the Clippers had a chance to win this game, including myself. I will put myself in that category uh, when I learned of the Kawhi Leonard injury. And the next game was in Utah at that arena where they have 18,000 or 19,000 fans, whatever that capacity is, because they are at full capacity. I did not think the Clippers would have a shot. But, hey, again, who am I? Just a guy on the huh, doing a podcast. That's why they play, pay these coaches the big bucks like Ty Lu to make adjustments, which he did. And I'll talk about those in a moment. And the Clippers actually went in there and beat Utah pretty much at their own game. Again, 119 to 111. This game, when it first started off, kind of reminded me of a boxing match from back in the day. Again, as you guys know, I'm from uh, originally from Detroit, Michigan, and it was a huge Tommy Hearns fan back in the day. And if you all remember that boxing match, I want to say it was in the mid 80s between Thomas the Hitman Hearns and marvelous Marvin Hagler. Uh, boxing purists called that the greatest three rounds in boxing history. Tommy Hearns happened to lose that fight by knockout. That was a bummer. But those two guys came out blow for blow. They just came back blow for blow. They wasn't holding back any punches. And I kind of use that analogy on this particular game last night. The Clippers and the Utah Jazz, man, they just came out blow for blow. They were firing up threes like it was nobody's business. You know, and, and Bogdanovich, I mean, my God, that dude, you're talking about the dude that can shoot the pill. Bogdanovich came out and hit six straight three-pointers in the very first quarter. Six straight. He ended up nine out of 17, so he was only three out of 11 for the rest of the game. He definitely cooled off. But in that first quarter, man, he was unstoppable. Six three-pointers. But the Clippers were not, they were not phased. It didn't seem like they were phased by that at all. You know, when you saw that happening, you would think, oh, man, here we go. The Clippers are just going to get run out of this arena. You know, once everybody else on Utah starts hitting threes, because as we know, they led the NBA at least in three-point attempts. Not sure what their percentage was, but they definitely led, led in attempts. You know, you have guys like uh, uh, Jared Ingles who can shoot the three. He did not shoot uh, particularly well last night from three. He was only one of five. But, of course, Spider Mitchell can shoot the three. He didn't have a great shooting game himself. I'll get to that in a moment. But, obviously, uh, Clarkson, he can definitely shoot that pill. He was four out of nine from three, the sixth man of the year. So, they, even, even Royce O'Neal hit a couple of threes. So, they were coming out firing, Utah I'm speaking of. But what did the Clippers do? They answered. They answered. Marcus Morris Sr., three of four from three-piece land. Reggie Jackson was three of eight. Paul George himself, playoff P, three of nine from the three-piece land. Even Nick Batum was three of six. Luke Kennard came in. He was two and four, two of four. So, again, these guys were, it was just bombs away. It just, again, reminded me of that boxing match between Hearns and Hagler. And at halftime, it was a 65-60 lead by the Utah Jazz. And I'm thinking at that point, okay, the Clippers, they gave it their best shot. You know, in the second half, they may run out of gas. But the Clippers picked it up in the second half and, and, and gave Utah all that they can handle. But 
going back to this um, at the beginning of this game, though, and Paul George specifically, I want to talk about. He has the pressure of putting this team on his back, and everyone knows that. Everyone knows what happened last year with the Clippers when they blew the 3-1 lead against the Denver Nuggets in the bubble playoffs, and uh, uh, the Clippers lost uh, double-digit leads in games 5, 6, and 7 last year. Paul George did not play well down the stretch. So Paul George had a nasty taste in his mouth that he wants to erase for this year. And the Clippers looked like they were going to be on their way. They tied this series two games apiece. And uh, and then what happens? Uh, Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. Well, he got hurt in that fourth game with about four minutes left to play. And as of the time of this recording, which is almost 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here, there's still no definitive uh, diagnosis on Kawhi's knee. Right now, they're still calling it a right knee sprain. But there's rumblings, or rumors, or whatever you want to call it, that even coming from the Clippers, that they fear it may be a torn ACL that Kawhi Leonard has suffered. And that's really, really a shame. Seems like the Clippers just can't get a break. Because, again, they were playing very, very good basketball. You know, down 0-2 in this series. You know, they lost the first two games in Utah. They come back to the Staples Center and win those two games. And then they lose one of the best two-way players in the NBA with only four minutes left in that particular game. So what happens now? Paul George, now he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he came out, you know, they did some interviews with him. And he said, hey, I accept the challenge. Ready to go. You know, we know, you know, Kawhi Leonard is, you know, our best player. He's out. So now it's up to me to go back the way he phrased it is to go back to the Indiana Pacer game, uh, days when he was with Indiana and he was actually the man on that team. And uh, he had some nice years in Indiana, some nice playoff series in Indiana where he had to carry that team. And what he did last night was uh, no short of being phenomenal. He Overall, he was 12 out of 22 from the field. Uh, again, as I mentioned, three of nine from three-piece land, 10 out of 11 from the free-throw line. He also led the team in rebounds with 16, and he also led the team in assists with five. So Paul George stepped up to the challenge, and there's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on him. And the Utah fans, you know, you know fans are fans. They booed him every time he touched the, uh, every time he touched the ball. But uh, Paul George was not phased by that whatsoever. And again, he ended up with, 37 points in that game. Uh, the rest of the Clippers, they also stepped up as well. Again, Marcus Morris Sr., 10 out of 16 from the field. I mean, he was dialed in. He's been dialed in since the last couple of days uh, or games of the Dallas Mavericks series. Marcus Morris Sr. has been dialed in. He's been playing very well. 10 out of 16, again, overall, 3 of 4 from 3-piece land. He scored 25 points. He was plus 18 in the plus-minus column, leading the Clippers in that category. He pretty much kept them in the game in that first half, the way he was playing. He was on fire. Or as they say, those old uh, ESPN announcers used to say, he in fuego. He was in fuego. Dude was on fire. Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, 8 out of 15 from the field. Three of eight from three-piece land. He scored 22 points. He's been also playing very well since that Dallas series. And I tell you what, Reggie Jackson is currently on the last year of a one. They only signed him for one year. And it's going to be very interesting to see what type of extension that they offer him. You got to offer him an extension. Now, he's your, he's, your, he's your point guard. 
you know, Rondo seems like the odd man out as far as getting minutes. Patrick Beverly is your bulldog coming off the bench. He played 17 minutes last night, only scored five points, but he was his usual defensive-minded, just just tenacity, just bulldog out there on the court. You know, Patrick Beverly, so they're going to keep him. Uh, Reggie Jackson, uh, though, is a guy they also must keep. So it'll be interesting to see what type of contract offer the Clippers offer uh, Reggie Jackson in the offseason. And Terrence Mann, he is the player who replaced uh, Kawhi Leonard in the starting lineup. Played 26 minutes. I love it when this kid is on the floor. Terrence Mann is not going to give you, say, large volume buckets. He's not a, a volume shooter or anything like that. He'll score some points. He scored 13 points. Uh, but you also have to look at his plus minus because it seems like every time he's on the floor, his plus minus is in the plus column. Plus 15 last night, second only to Marcus Morris Sr. Terrence Mann gives, just brings you a lot of energy, just that energy. I mean, he's he's not the best defender in the world, but he's certainly not the worst. And uh, offensively, you know, he gives you buckets. You know, he can go inside and he can shoot from the outside a little bit. But one of the things that got uh, the Clipper fans and the Clipper players off of their feet was the dunk. The dunk on the Frenchman. I call him the French Riviera. Rudy Gobert. You know, the 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 Eiffel Tower. Dude's about as big as the Eiffel Tower, man. And Terrence Mann got that ball in the corner, gave a little pump fake, went in the lane. You know, Gobert was kind of following him in there. And Terrence Mann just went up and just gave a nasty, filthy dunk right in Rudy Gobert's, Gobert's mug. Just take a quick listen to this. Three by Eagles. Clippers up by four, low dribble. George draws a crowd. Man doesn't take the three. Drives it. Oh, he finishes. Terrence Mann puts it down. Literally a man's chance for LA. Now, keep in mind, Rudy Gobert is the DPOI, the the defense, uh, sorry, the defensive player of the year that uh, uh, Terrence Mann came down and dunked that ball on. So that was very, very impressive. That was in the fourth quarter, though, and that was uh, pretty much the exclamation point on that game in the first quarter. But let me go back to the first half again. The Clippers were down at the half, 65-60. to 60. And at least what I was thinking at that point was the Clippers, they gave it their best shot. I don't think they can sustain this, all these these three-point shots that are going up. Utah is just going to just going to come out in the second half and just throw a barrage of three point shots up at the Clippers and the Clippers are not going to be able to hang in there. But again, what the hell do I know? The Clippers came out and they did what I thought the Utah Jazz would have done or should have done. And it was the Clippers who were hitting all the shots. And then Utah's flame sort of went out in that third quarter. The Clippers outscored Utah 32 to 18. And you can see the momentum just building up for the Clippers in that third quarter. They had it in their mind. Okay, hey, we can actually win this game. We definitely can win this game. You know, Luke Kennard came in. You guys know how I feel about Luke Kennard. I've been riding him all year, all year because of that $64 million contract that he signed. But, uh, again, hey, I'm not the owner. That's Steve Ballmer's money. They paid him. He did not have a very good year. But lately he's been playing well. They bring him in off the bench. You know, he hit a couple of threes. Again, Patrick Beverly was just the dog on defense. Rondo came in and, and some spot minutes and just provided the, you know, the leadership that Rondo does. 
you know, an extension of uh, Ty Lue, a coach on the floor. He had four rebounds, a couple of assists. Uh, Zubak really didn't play all that much. He played only eight minutes. Uh, he scored a couple of points on a couple of free throws. But it was the starters that really, really picked up the pace. And again, Paul George is the one that led the charge. He led the charge. He told the team, hey, or supposedly told Ty Lue before the game started. He said, hey, Ty, I got this. I've got this. Hey, we're, this, we're going to do it. It's, it's up to me. Put it on my shoulders, and I'll get it done. And that's exactly what he did. That is exactly what he did. So now, where we are now is the Clippers go back to the Staples Center, and uh, they can close this thing out. Now, the Clippers, you know, they don't want to go back to Utah for a Game 7. And that doesn't mean that they can't win in a, a Game 7. They certainly can. They just proved they can win in Utah without their best player. And who knows whether Kawhi Leonard is going to be available uh, for, I doubt very seriously, if he's going to be available for Game 6. Uh, it's a possibility for Game 7 if, if it's just the knee sprain. Really not sure about the diagnosis, but let's just assume that Kawhi Leonard may not be available for the rest of this series. Can the Clippers go in, if it comes out to a Game 7, can they go into Utah and win a Game 7? Based on what we saw last night, yes, they can. But they don't want to. They don't want that to happen. They want to close this out, Game Six at the Staples Center, and I believe this is going to be the first game where the Staples Center is open up totally. Uh, the last game at the Staples Center, I believe it may have been only eight thousand, nine thousand or so fans. Uh, I thought I heard somewhere that it's going to open up to the entire stadium, and if that's the case, there's going to be some raucous uh, L.A. Clipper fans in that Staples Center arena rooting for the Clippers. And if they play like they played last night, then uh, it should only go to game six. And the Clippers should close out this series against Utah and then go to Phoenix and, and see what they can do with the Phoenix Suns. So it's going to be very, very interesting uh, to see if the Clippers can close this out. You know, the history of the Clippers says maybe not. You know, that's that's the the, the bugaboo, uh, so to speak, that the Clippers have. You know, when they're ready to do something special, something happens where they just can't close out series or, you know, I don't want to use the word choke down the stretch or anything like that. Bad luck, whatever you want to call it. This will be, if they can close out this series against Utah, it would be the first time in franchise history that they make it to the Western Conference Finals, let alone the NBA Finals. And obviously, if they, you know, beat Phoenix, then they will be in the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history and definitely for the first time since they moved from San Diego to Los Angeles in 1984. And if that happens, the Clipper fans in L.A. would be going crazy. Clipper Nation, the Clipper Holics, the Clip Joint would, you know, go to the finals for the very first time. It would be a wonderful thing to see if that can happen. Hopefully, again, Kawhi Leonard would be healthy enough to play. But again, if he's not, hey, PG-13, playoff P, self-proclaimed playoff P. Time for you to put the team on your back, baby. If you want to get that nasty uh, taste out your mouth from last year's defeat against Denver, here's your time to shine. Here's your time to shine. A lot of people forget what, when Paul George in his last year in uh, OKC, he was a, a MVP candidate. He was like a top no no worse than top three MVP candidate. Yeah, guy got some game, man. 
you know, Paul George got plenty of game. So now, you know, it's his time to be the shining star if they don't have their best player. So we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow night. It should be a very, very good game. But again, I expect the Clippers to win that particular game in the Staples Center. And uh, before I get to my second segment, which I'll just go around the NBA and talk uh, briefly about the other playoff matchups, just want to announce that I will also be doing a joint podcast with uh, the Basketball Podcast Network's uh, Utah Jazz podcast. And uh, that podcast will probably be dropping sometime tonight or, or maybe tomorrow. It'll definitely drop before the Clipper and Jazz game tomorrow. So uh, I have been invited to be on that particular show hosted by Nathan Thatcher. And again, this is the Utah Jazz version of the Basketball Podcast Network that I will be on with them later tonight. So the second segment coming up again, as I mentioned, I will go around the NBA and just briefly talk about these other matchups that are going on. First thing I want to talk about in going around the NBA is the potential coaches who will be on the unemployment line. But first, I want to start off with Stan Van Gundy. Now, of course, the New Orleans Pelicans, they're not in these playoffs. But Stan Van Gundy, man, he's the guy's been stealing money for the last several years. Again, uh, me being originally from Detroit, very, very uh, uh, attached to the uh, Detroit Pistons organization or kind of know what's going on there and uh you know he got ran out of town in detroit he was the uh, not only the coach but the president of basketball operations meaning he's the one that picked the groceries meaning he's the one that drafted the players he's the one that drafted as much as i'm liking luke Kennard now on the clippers but he's the one that drafted luke Kennard over donovan mitchell and he got ran out of detroit and now he signed with new orleans last year with the New Orleans Jazz for a four-year contract at $5 million per, and he only lasted one year. The, there was sort of like a player's revolt uh, against this guy toward the end of the season. The, uh, the Jazz were, uh, I'm sorry, not the Jazz, but the Pelicans. I'm sorry, it's the Pelicans. They were blowing a lot of leads down the stretch. They had a chance to make the playoffs, did not do so, so they let Van Gundy go. And this guy, in my opinion, just my humble opinion, should not get another NBA job. But talking about a couple of the coaches that are in this playoff series that are still uh, uh, in the playoffs, let's start with the Philadelphia 76ers and Doc Rivers. My goodness, everyone knows one of the reasons why Doc Rivers was let go from the Clippers as he's the only coach in NBA history that had uh, three series where he was up three games to one or he and his team was up three games to one and then blew that three games to one lead, including last year when they lost in the bubble, as I mentioned before, against the Denver Nuggets. And I'm not sure what the hell is going on with the Philadelphia 76ers. They had a 2-1 series lead against Atlanta winning at Atlanta in game three, but in uh, game four, they lost to Atlanta 103 to 100, where they had an 18 point lead and blew that. Uh, Joel Embiid did not play well in that game at all, at least from the floor. I believe he was only like four of 20 or something like that. They were led in points by uh, Tobias Harris, but they had an 18 point lead and blew that. 
And in his last game uh, uh, versus Atlanta in Philadelphia, they had a 26-point lead. 26 points. Ended up losing. Losing. 109 to 106. And B played better, much better. He, he scored 37 points. Uh, Tobias Harris did not play particularly well in this particular game. But, again, a 27-point lead that Philadelphia had. And they blew that lead. Now, again, you know, you can say Doc Rivers or some people can say, well, you know, Doc Rivers, he only puts the guys, you know, on the floor and it's up to the players to, uh, you know, do their thing when they're out there. And yes, I get that. I do get that. But I tell you, man, when there's smoke, there's fire. Something about Doc Rivers, maybe his rotations or whatever the case may be. But uh, if Philadelphia loses this to Atlanta, you know, there's a possibility that Doc Rivers could also be let go and looking for employment elsewhere. Trey Young in this uh, game, this last game, he was 10 out of 23 from the field. He scored 39 points, 17 out of 19 from the free throw line. This young kid can get to the free throw line. He's very, very good at drawing contact, and he can get to that free throw line. He also has seven assists. He was uh, two of six from three-piece land. And uh, John Collins played a very, very good game for Atlanta. He was 7 out of 12, 3 of 4 from three-piece land. He also had 11 rebounds, leading the Hawks in that category, and he scored 19 points. Lou Williams, the ghost of Lou Williams, the corpse of Lou Williams in that game, came off the bench. You know, what do they call him down in Atlanta? He's from Atlanta, Lemon Pepper Lou. 7 out of 11 from the field, 1 of 3 from three-piece land. He scored 15 points. And then Gallinari, of course, 6 of 10 from the field and 3 of 4 from three-piece land. He scored 16 points. So now Atlanta, they are uh, ahead in this series, three games or two. The next game is in Atlanta, and Atlanta can close it out and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals against either Brooklyn or Milwaukee, and I'll get to uh, those two teams in a second. But again, if Philadelphia loses this, and, uh, you know, this is just another black eye on Doc Rivers' resume. If they cannot come out on top and beat Atlanta. One other thing about Philadelphia, though, just briefly, Ben Simmons, man, for a guy that's making up was a $30 million. And, you know, this guy just runs away from the ball in the fourth quarter, man. He does not want to go to the free throw line at all. He, he, he just cannot shoot from the free throw line. He refuses to shoot from outside. There's no way in the world I'm paying a guy $30 million just to be a defensive uh, specialist and a distributor, which he's very good at those two things. But if you can't score, you know, in the fourth quarter, you just don't want the ball in your hands. Um, I have no use for that. I'm not so sure that Ben Simmons is going to be on this Philadelphia team next year anyway. So I just want to throw that in there about Ben Simmons. Now, this next series that's going on, of course, is Milwaukee against the Brooklyn Nets. And another coach who may be on the hot seat right now is Coach uh, Budenhauser. Mike Budenhauser on the hot seat. Milwaukee had a, had a very, very good chance to uh, take a three games to two lead in this particular series. And especially in game five, where you did not have a Kyrie Irving who sprained his ankle in game four. And you had a one-legged beard, James Harden out there. Now, why in God's name are you not double-teaming Kevin Durant, who's one of the best basketball players in the world? And you're putting your best defender or one of your best defenders, Drew Holiday, on the one-legged James Harden. 
So what happens? Durant just torches you for 49 points. Durant was just out cold. 49 points. He put that team on his shoulders. Again, I was thinking, man, without Kyrie and Harden, they weren't even sure whether he was going to play or not. He was like a game-time decision. And he come in there, man. You got to give him credit. I'm not a big James Harden fan, but you got to give him credit. He came in there and basically played on one leg. You know, he didn't even do that much offensively. But, you know, he didn't have to, really, because Durant was just torching, torching the Milwaukee Bucks. And I have to say this. I have to say this about the Greek freak. That's just another guy that, you know, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of his. He's a, he's a great player, of course, but just not a fan. Now, you know, you're a two-time MVP. You know, you're, you're I believe he won a Defensive Player of the Year award, award at one time, but I know he's like, uh, on the all-defensive NBA team, or whatever they call that. He's not guarding Kevin Durant. If, if he did, it must have been on some switchers or something like that. Man, if you're you're the two-time MVP, I'm telling Coach Budenhauser, hey, man, I want to guard this guy. I want to guard this guy. And that's not coming from, from the Greek freak. I, I would love to see it. I think Kevin Durant would torch him, too. Can't anybody stop Kevin Durant. So... You know, what the hell is going on, Milwaukee? You know, you lose that game 114 to 108 to Brooklyn. And again, James Harden, he was only one of 10. James Harden, he played 46 minutes on one leg. was one of 10 from the field, 0 of 8 from three-piece land. 0 of 8. He only scored five points. Blake Griffin, he scored 17 points. But Kevin Durant, torching them 48 minutes, 16 out of 23 from the field, 4 of 9 from three-piece land. 17 rebounds, 10 assists. I don't know why some people think that Kevin Durant is not one of the best players in the world. You know, they, they think of him as, well, he just went to Golden State, played with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and just got on that team and just rolled his way to a championship, blah, 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 blah. Well, Kevin Durant just showed that he could put a team on his shoulders because he put the Nets on his shoulders and just dominated. Jeff Green, the corpse of Jeff Green, 35 minutes for Brooklyn. Seven of eight for three-piece land. Dude was balling. 27 points. Landry Shamit uh, contributed nine points. So that game, uh, that series, uh, is going again tonight. And Milwaukee, if you do not win, if you do not win, you know, Coach Budenhauser, you know, hey, it's a possibility. It's a possibility that Milwaukee may think about changing coaches. So, that's what I wanted to get around the NBA. Talk about these other two playoff series in the East that are going on. And we still have some good basketball left to be played. So with that, basketball fans, I just want to thank you for joining the uh, or listening to the Basketball Podcast Network, uh, L.A. Courtside version. And uh, also like to thank our sponsor, DraftKings.com. Uh, if you don't want to miss uh, an episode of L.A. Court Sad, you can just go to wherever you get your um, your uh, podcast from, whatever platform that you use, whether it's Apple or Google or Stitcher or Spotify or or iHeartRadio. We're on all of those platforms. And you can find L.A. Court Sad on one of those platforms. You can also follow L.A. Court Sad Pod on Twitter at L.A. Court Sad Pod. That's the Twitter hander for the podcast. And with that, basketball fans, again, thank you all for listening. And until the next episode, which will be dropped tomorrow night after the Clippers game, 
against the Utah Jazz. Peace.